want to lift up your voice and just bless the name of the Lord. Tell God you want to hear something that will change your life, something that will position you for what he's about to do. Anytime God is about to do something new, he sends for his word. Therefore, anytime that you have the opportunity to hear what God is saying, is an opportunity to have an idea what God is about to do. So we want to pray that, Lord, I will not be left out. I want to fully engage in this meeting. My heart is open. My mind is alert. I will not fall short of that which I must receive. Open my eyes to see the wonderful things in your word that is going to be communicated. Let there be great deposit in my heart. Let there be deposit in my spirit. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I don't want my life to be the same. All the tiredness, all the things that I've gone through the day, nothing will hinder me from receiving. All the things that are on my mind, that can hinder what I have to receive. I declare that in Jesus' name, I lay it aside. And I pray that Lord, in Jesus' mighty name, grace to receive, grace to hear and hear well. In the name of the Lord Jesus, cause me to see and see rightly. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Rababa Shonda Bragadigo Zabala Dagaya. Zemendo Sotabala Tigavara Take Shonga Bragadiga Zegabala Labahaya. Holy Spirit take absolute control. Utrans Mandege Bongovo Brada Gabala Labahaya. Zendelegeve Sonda Bratiga Zabala Taya. In Jesus' mighty name. We are grateful. Take your place, Lord. We honor you in this meeting. Speak your very word to us. Let our lives not be the same. We pray that let your spirit enter into us as we hear you. In Jesus' mighty name, we call it done. Amen. Amen. Well, please, you can take your seat. Thank you very much for having me. I salute the apostle of the house and his wife. And all leaders, God bless you for the good work so far in the course of the year. It's not easy to be a leader. Hallelujah. Leadership comes with great responsibility. Um, to him who much is given, much is expected. And one of the things about church leadership is because God has given you a people to raise, um, if it's a secular organization, the emphasis is on the vision that organization have to achieve, the goals they set and all those things. Uh -huh. But in church, the vision and the goals most of times also emphasizes on the development of the people. Uh -huh. So sometimes an organization can be ahead of the people. Though some few people can carry the organization. But when it comes to church, it's different. Because the reflection of the church is seen in the lives of the members. So it is the members that gives testament to actually the church. That's why Paul said that you are the seal of my apostleship. That means that if I want to see the ministry I've done, I have to look at your life. So what makes ministry a bit different from other organization is that the people God brings to a man of God or to a servant of God, to pastor, in the course of time, the people's life becomes a reflection of the grace on the person's life. Please, do you understand? Please, do you get it? Uh -huh. So, and God gives us pastors and various um, graces for the benefit of our life and the advancement of his kingdom. So every man of God or every woman of God, God gives to a group of people, the Bible says that God gives their gifts unto us. Uh -huh. And every grace on their life is, is for the people. Uh -huh. No man of God or woman of God carries a grace for himself. Uh, the reason for the grace is because of the people. Uh -huh. That means that in the course of time, 
when people start coming in contact and position themselves well and relate well, then you are supposed to see whatever grace is on the person's life begin to amplify in the lives of the people who are connected so that after some time, we can be able to see the expression of these graces. Please do you understand. So one, once upon a time in the Bible, um, the disciples had a situation to deal with. A man brought his son to them to cast out the spirit of epilepsy and they couldn't do anything about it. They tried, but it didn't work. And then the man came to Jesus and told Jesus that, oh, I brought this, my small boy, to your disciples to cast out the spirit. But the more they tried, the thing was not working. And Jesus looked at them and said, how long should you be with me? That's a profound statement. Jesus said, how long should you be with me? That means that even Jesus knew that after being with him for some time, there are certain things you should be able to do. So Jesus doesn't have an intention of people following him and not being able to walk in the graces upon his life. So that when there was a case, Jesus didn't expect that he should come down from the mountains to come and deal with that one. He expected them to be able to be in the position because they've stayed with him long enough to be able to receive all the teaching and the graces to be able to replicate what he was able to do. So Jesus said, how long should you be with me? Do you understand? And I believe that every man of God who has a, a people that he's raising, after some time, he must be able to look at the people's faces one by one and be able to say, how long should you be with me? Like, the more you are with me, the more I expect certain things I'm working in to start actually affecting your life. Because the goal of ministry is not the pastor becoming big and the church becoming big and the members are small. That is not correct ministry. Do you understand? That's not correct ministry at all. Jesus took fishermen. He made them apostles. They could do greater works. Paul took people, but he turned them into something else. So the goal of ministry is not the pastor being known all over the place and the pastor working in great dimension and the church is big, but the members are small. No, that is not the pattern of ministry. The pattern of ministry is that whatever you see flow from the head, it must trickle down to the beard and then to the garment, then to the skirt. So it means that whatever God is doing in headship flows to leadership than to the members. So anytime you see headship working in certain graces, headship doing certain exploit, headship doing certain things, just know that the reason why it has started there is because the intention is for it to trickle down. Am I helping someone? Are you getting the point? That is why you don't envy headship. Because what you are envy will eventually come to you. If you envy headship and you kill headship, that means that it will not flow because the divine pattern of flow is from the head down. That's why Elijah told Elijah, if you see me go, then you have. But if you are not designed for me to go up and you are only designed for me to stay at the same level, then what you are looking for, you can't have. So it means that one of the responsibility of supporting ministries is to push leadership into next levels so that the level you're operating in, you can also inherit it. As they move on, then you also move on, which is very, very important. Please, do you get the point? Yeah, so that is very, very important. And once you understand that, you also understand that if God gives you the privilege to be part of leadership in a ministry, then the leadership is what we call the first fruit of the ministry. Because the leadership is supposed to bear and express what the members are supposed to see. Uh-huh. So actually, from the head pastor to the entire leadership, then to the members, so the leaders are the first representation of what the ministry stands for. 
before the members because members most of the time don't pick up from the pastor except those who are a bit matured. They pick up from, so the lamb pick up from the sheep, the sheep pick up from the shepherd. Do you understand? So whatever we see in leadership with time, is, is you are going to see it in members. So if you want to change anything in members, you change it in leadership first. That's the pattern. Yes, that's the pattern. Because leadership, um, the leadership is more accountable than members. Members are supposed to, if you, if you look at the levels of accountability in the ministry, Anyone who is a leader in a ministry is more accountable first. Members are also accountable, but the degree of accountability in leadership is more. There is more required of a leader than a member. Am I helping someone? Uh, so once you step into leadership, let's, let's look at, that's not what I'm going to teach, but I think I've started anyway. <laughs> uh, but I think you should enjoy it. Is it a blessing? Uh-huh. So just, just make sure that you are blessed. Just enjoy it. Okay. So let's look at first um, Timothy chapter three, verse one and two. I just want to show you something, but I've not deviated too much from what I'm I'm coming to teach. So it's part of first um, Timothy chapter three, verse one and two. All right. So this is a faithful saying: If a man desires the position of a bishop, the bishop there is an elder or a leader. So you can. There's nothing wrong as a member to desire to be a leader. In a ministry, there's nothing wrong. So the Bible says that if any man desire the desire you have to the position of a, of a bishop, he desires a good work. Now look at what the Bible is saying. He's saying that, no, please go back. Verse one. You desire a position of a bishop, but look at what he's saying. He desires a good work. It means that this position goes with work. That's all. <laughs> he didn't say you desire a good position. He said you desire a good work. So the definition of the position is actually in the work the position is supposed to do. Do you understand the point? So if you desire, can you give me any other version, maybe Amplify or something else? Let's do another version. Or NLT or any, any other one, if it's possible. Okay, so let me read from what I have here. So NLT, it is a true saying that if someone wants to be an elder, he desires an honorable responsibility. So it's a responsibility. It's a good work. So there is nothing wrong having a desire. All right. So this one is talking about position, but actually the position is actually a responsibility and it's a good work. Tell your neighbor you're according to a good work. Okay. So what happens is that once you desire this position to be a leader, look at the next verse, verse two. Please look at verse two. Let's see something in verse two. So an elder, so it starts with a desire. Then now he begins to give you what goes along with it. So an elder must be, not maybe, must. That there is nothing wrong to have a desire for a particular leadership position in church. There's nothing wrong to have a desire to be put in a position. That's fine. However, every position of leadership you enter into comes with certain responsibility. And by virtue of you coming into leadership, there are requirements that are expected of you, whether you like it or not. Your desire might not know the requirement. Your desire can just uh, position you for it. But immediately you enter into it, there are certain requirements that comes with it. So he's saying that, so an elder must be, not may be. It means you don't have an option. <laughs> must be. Then he began to list the criteria, the things that your desire must start producing in you. That once you desire this position, then when you come into it, these are the responsibilities that goes with it. 
Therefore, the position must start changing your life to fit into it. Am I helping someone? Do, do you understand the point? Uh-huh. So it's the same thing when you come to church and then you are given a leadership position, you must understand that by virtue of the position you occupy, there are certain requirements that are required of you. And based on those requirements, there are certain changes you, you will have to make. Not you may make, you have to, you ought to, so that you can be effective. That must be. A man whose life is about reproach must be. So if your life is within reproach some time ago, once you come into leadership, you have to start working towards it. <laughs> do you understand? Now, he didn't say an elder must do. He said an elder must be because leadership is first being before doing. That's very, very important. So what, what, what actually gives weight to your act is your being, what you are becoming. So once you have a desire, there, there might not be a requirement before, but immediately you enter into it, then that desire you have genuinely, if you are genuine about it with time, it must move from just a desire to a strong passion of subjecting yourself to the necessary procedures and protocol to become something in the position. Am I helping someone? Do you get a point? All right. So let's look at verse 10. Let's see something. I just want to. <clears throat> let's see something. Verse 10. Okay. So before they are appointed as deacons, let them be closely examined. If they pass the test, then let them serve as deacons. <laughs> Can you imagine? He's, he spoke about elders. Then he spoke about deacons. But it applies to all. Then he's saying that it's not a problem. You desire, it's not a problem. So we can give you the opportunity. But as you execute your responsibility, there must be a system to examine you from time to time. And if you are examined and you are able, to, you are matching up with what you are told to do, the various instructions and what you are becoming, then the Bible says that you must be given opportunity to continue to serve. Does it make sense? There is no organization that will employ you um, without looking at your qualification and looking at your skills and all those things. I hope you know that. It's only in the church that because of the nature of the kingdom, God gives you an opportunity to come and serve and you learn on the job. But if we take the approach of secular organization to church, many people will not qualify. That's number one. And number two, people are more committed to their secular ambitions in terms of growing, developing themselves to have the skill to have the knowledge, to have everything it required to become, to excel in their corporate organization than in the church. The reason is because of the position they desire to have, the amount of money they will be paying them and how they can leverage on wherever position they will be given for other places. But when they come to the church, they don't see far in the church. To, to them, developing themselves for church is a waste of time. But in a secular organization, they can do their masters for it. They, I don't have this skill. I'll go and get it. They'll develop themselves. They'll pay every money they have to pay. They'll watch every video they can watch to make sure that they are developing the required skill to meet up with the position they are occupying. But put the same people in church leadership position. For three years, they have never ever seen what other courses can they do to help them to become effective in this role. How many books have they even read for the in the past one year that will make them more effective? They don't have. Am, am I helping someone? 
Are you getting some understanding? Now, it, it is basically because of our estimation of things. That's the problem. Uh -huh. So we see the corporate work to be more serious than kingdom work. We see our career path. That one is more like the approach is different. But you see, the truth of the matter is that every career you are pursuing and everything you are doing in this world, one day, all of them, it will, it will be a waste, actually. That's the truth. Because the world will come to an end. That your organization will come to an end. But of course, as long as we are here, we must maximize it. But my point here is that there are things you are doing that has a temporary value. But anything you do in the kingdom has an eternal value. It transcends time. So comparatively, whatever you are doing in the secular to make yourself more competent, to make yourself more relevant, to be able to advance, you must do double when it comes to kingdom work. The reason is because the kingdom work, that is where your destiny is held. The reason is because in the kingdom, you've, listen, your destiny in God, your relevance in God, your life after here, Everything is captured within the scope of kingdom work. Therefore, if you can invest and do everything possible to make yourself better, re related to things that will only help you temporarily here, which is okay. When it comes to what matters the most, which is your eternal destination, which is your eternal reward, which is something that will go beyond here, it has benefits here and beyond here, you must approach it twice. You have to do it. You, you have to be more committed to that one more than this one. Am I helping someone? So for instance, the world is more spiritual than you think. So assuming there is an attack on your workplace, none of the things you have ever done in the secular can sustain you there. The only place you have to run to is to become spiritual. Either the secret place in God or an occultic place. There are, those are the two options. You either become more spiritual in in an occultism, or you become more spiritual with God. So even your temporary work and all the things you are doing, there are many things that can happen there that all the things that you have developed yourself for will not be enough to sustain you. It will still come back to the aspect of your life, which is spiritual, to be able to see you through. And it will still come back. Sometimes your personal development in spirituality is not enough to be able to sustain you even where you are with your masters, with all the attacks that are coming, all the things that are coming on your life, it will still take the church to still be able to cover you and give perspective. Am, am I helping someone? Are you sure? So it means that when it comes to our Christian life and kingdom work, there is a need for us to do a bit of evaluation. And there is a need for us to get the, the perspective right so that we can become more effective in it. Hallelujah. But unfortunately, many people see working for God as a volunteer service. Uh -huh. So, volunteer service. The excuses people will give for church, they will never give at their workplace. It's impossible. They can never give it there. They, <laughs> they, will, never, they will never give it there. <laughs> I saw it. Uh -huh. Of course, we, might, we are not saying you don't have legitimate whatever, but my point here is, like, I personally feel that the way we approach the things of God and the way we approach the kingdom of God, if we do half of what we do in our corporate side, 
for the kingdom. The kingdom will be ten times better. Yeah, but unfortunately, it's because of lack of perception. Uh-huh. It's because of lack of perception. There are people who will be late here, but will not be late at work. Do not be late at elite. Yes. So it's it's just a function of perception. Uh huh. It's just a function of perception. And please, the days, the years ahead is going to be more terrible than you know, because the world is coming to an end, whether you like it or not. So there are going to be more serious things spiritually than you know. The Bible said, that as you see the end approaching, you have to be watch, watchful in prayer. So the times we are living in, if you take your spiritual life for granted, you cannot survive because there are terrible things that are about to happen as far as the world is concerned. The world will not get better. Please don't, this world will not get better. Yes, this world, it will not get better. It started from Babylon, from the gold head to silver, to brass. We are in iron and iron mixed with clay. So it has diminished in terms of quality. Do you understand the point? So prophetically speaking, what Daniel saw in, what Nebuchadnezzar saw in Daniel chapter 2 is actually the dispensation of human governance. It ends with the feet, which is clay and iron mixed together. That's where we are. Now we are waiting for the stone that will be cast. Because that's the last dispensation. So from Babylon, Medes and Persian, then we, we come to um, Greece, then from Greece. And all this, if you're a good student of history, all these things have happened. Babylon came to rule for some time. Then they were cleared. Medes and Persian also came. Alexander the Great came, declared them. Then Greece took over. Then Greece too was cleared by Rome in that order. So everything that was predicted which is not just a prediction. It's something that will happen. So it has happened accordingly until our time. Therefore, this world will not get better. It won't get better. So please understand that. The only thing is that your life will get better because we are not of the world. Though we are in this world, we are not of the world. The Bible said that, Behold, darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But arise, for your light has come. So the fact that there's darkness in the world doesn't mean it will affect us. That is why you position yourself well as far as alignment with kingdom matters are concerned. Because your rising is not of the world. Your rising is in the kingdom. And as you, because the world is going to get worse, that's where they will start navigating towards the church. To give you an idea, you see COVID. When COVID hits the world, the only hope was the church. Now people are listening to messages. People have not fasted before, started fasting. People, people knew how to do quiet time in the morning. Now they are not, do you understand? That should give you a clue that when it came to what matters the most, people knew what matters the most. They became serious with their Christian life. You used to be boo. <laughs> because they know that, Charlie, I have to be very spiritual with my life. Have someone be helped. So the Bible says that once you understand that, you examine yourself, if you pass the test, then the Bible says you are given there. So I'm just saying this to say that normally leadership in ministry is, is the same approach, but it's of a higher demand because of the nature of ministry and kingdom work. Uh-huh. But unfortunately, we downplay on it and we approach it casually. Please, does someone understand me? Have you gotten a better understanding? All right. Uh-huh. But on that day, you are not necessarily going to give account for your career. You are going to give account for the ministry God has put in you to do. Yeah, as far as your life is concerned. Because everyone here is made for something in the kingdom. Yeah, you are paid 
as far as your job is concerned, but you are made for destiny. <laughs> so you must understand that. And don't think that your, your, your career is your destiny. I beg you. There are two different things. Your, your career is a platform on which your destiny can have an aspect of expression there, but it is not you. You are not your career. It's just an aspect. Am I helping someone? Very, very important, but that's not my emphasis. All right, so today I'm supposed to touch on, are you ready for the word of God? <laughs> yeah, because we have, to, we have to do these things well. Very, very important. All right, so First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, that's my emphasis. First Timothy 3, 15. Um, this will be the bedrock on which I'm going to develop some core points. First Timothy 3, 15. First Timothy 3.15. Okay, so, so that if I am delayed, so let's go to 14 so that we can understand the contest. I am writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon. The next verse. Now, what is the essence of writing this thing to you? Because I'm not around, I'm writing some few things to you, Timothy, because you're a young pastor, going to pastor some couple of places. So I'm writing this thing to you so that in case, if I'm delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Now, my emphasis is here. So that if I am delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the house of God. Okay. Now, when you go to school, there is a way you are expected to conduct yourself in school. Every institution in this world, if you are admitted into that institution, whether it's school, it's a workplace or whatever it is, there are certain um, rules and regulation that is supposed to inform and guide you on how you are supposed to behave in that environment. That is if you want to be able to meet up with whatever vision you have before you came there. So if you go to school, there is what is expected of you as a student. So that at the end of four years or five years or six years, depending on the course you are doing, you can come out with something. Am I helping someone? Are you getting the point? Now, if you are employed in a bank or you are employed in any other organization, they also have the way they expect you to behave to the point of also affecting even the way you must dress and a lot of things. Why do you think that when you come into the kingdom, we shouldn't have anything like that? When people are born again and they come into the kingdom of God and they are put in a local assembly, in that particular assembly, they feel that they, have, they can do what they want. But the same people, when they go to other places of human civilization and development, they are not at liberty to determine how they want to behave. They will just fall in line. But when it comes to the church of the living God, people are careless about it. But the Bible is saying that there are things you must be taught so that you know how you ought, not you may, you ought to behave in the house of God. So that means that there is a way to behave in the house of God. There is a way. Am I helping someone? There is a way to behave in this kingdom. There is a way to react. There is a way to act. There is a way to do things in this kingdom. And part of pastoral responsibility is to teach the people how they ought to behave. Because people are coming from different backgrounds, different life experiences, different things they've, they've been through, different perception about life, different educational system, and all those things. And so people are coming from diverse places and coming to God 
for God to raise them to become what they have to become. So it is important that we have a common place where we can be given the same perspective. That's why the word of God is important. And every way you ought to behave, we use the word to bring that out. Other than that, people will come and do what they think. People will come with their tribal inclinations. People will come with their social status inclination. People because, because what have made you over the years, when you find yourself in an environment that is a bit loose, you are likely to express all the things that have made you over the years. But you're the same person. If you go into another environment, if they employ you at Ministry of Foreign Affairs, there are things you cannot do. Though you, though you want to do them all. But when you look at the environment, there are some things you cannot do. You fall in line. In the same way, God has an agenda as far as your life is concerned. And he has designed the kingdom in such a way that the church, both the corporate and the local assembly, there is a way, there is a prescribed way that have been laid out for our behavior and our action. But these are not things that easily come to people. So these are things that must be taught. So Paul wrote a letter to Timothy that in case I'm delayed, I'm writing this thing because my absence should not cause people to be misbehaving. So I have to send a letter ahead so that when you read it, you can start teaching them. So we don't only teach how to get breakthrough, we teach how to behave. Now, the reason is because when we look at the importance of the church and all the blessing and the benefit that will come with you being in church, there are certain things God has designed that it's only the church that can do in your life. But in order to maximize and receive them and work in them, there is a way we have to teach you to conduct yourself so that every blessing God has for you in the local assembly, you can partake, you can partake of it. But if you are not taught, you miss out on it. You go to church for 15 years and your life is still ordinary. There's nothing special about your life apart from activity. We cannot see the impact of the church as far as your growth is concerned. Am I helping someone? I get in it. So there is a way to behave. Tell your neighbor there is a way to behave. Yeah, in the house of God. So you might know how people must conduct themselves in the house of God. So it's not loose. There is a way to behave. So one of the things I'm going to touch on briefly is one of the things that actually has affected so many people as far as the house of God, the kingdom of God, relating with God and relating with things about spirituality. One of the major things that affected people a lot is this thing called familiarity. So I want to teach or touch on familiarity. Familiarity, quickly. Familiarity. <clears throat> so I'm going to look at it in these few ways. So the first thing I want to touch on is what it is, the definition of familiarity. Then we'll also look at some of the effects of familiarity. What are some of the things that when you develop the habit of familiarity, what are some of the things that can happen? And then we'll also look at why people get familiar. What are the things that makes them get familiar? Then we'll look at how to deal with it. I hope you are getting the point. Okay, so let's look at the definition first. When we talk about familiarity, now you have to understand that sometimes you want to define a word, we have to sometimes go into the root word, where the word was gotten from. So familiarity is actually coming from a Latin word, which just means intimacy or friendliness. So it's coming from a Latin word, which means intimacy or friendliness. And we also get it from the word familiar. Familiar. Now, when we say familiar, we are talking about a state of knowing, either knowing something or knowing a person. Either knowing something or knowing a person. 
I'm familiar with this person or you look familiar to me. That means I've met you before. I've seen you somewhere. So you cannot be familiar with what you don't know. So definitely there must be an aspect of knowing either about a person, a place, or a thing. So you don't, you, you don't just get familiar with just a person. You can get familiar with a thing. You can get familiar with a place. So you must understand that. So when we talk about fam- being familiar with something is not, is not bad entirely. It's not bad entirely uh-huh, because um, there is a level of knowledge you need to have definitely as you relate with people. Yeah, you have to be familiar with your tablet so that you can use it well. You have to be familiar with people so that you can relate with them well. I hope you are getting it. You have to be familiar with police so that you can know how to navigate the police. Uh, however, in that space of being familiar, if you, if you are not careful in being familiar, there could be something, there could be a side effect that can actually crop up in your being familiar. That side effect is what we call familiarity. Being familiar with something is not a bad thing, but as you are becoming familiar with a person, a place, or a thing, there is a tendency that you can swade off from just being familiar to developing what we call familiarity. I hope you are getting the point. So when we say familiarity, familiarity is just a, a state of knowing someone or something so well that it begins to affect you or it begins to affect you by making you lose your sense of value, appreciation, or honor for that thing. That's familiarity. I'm going over again. Familiarity means intimacy of friendliness. That's the root word. Uh You can't be intimate and friendly with someone you don't know. So definitely start with a knowing. Uh However, as you develop that, if care is not taken, there is what we call familiarity that can start getting hold of you. And that familiarity is that you know something or someone or a place so well that it begins to affect your sense of wealth, value, and honor or appreciation or admiration for that person, that place, or that thing. Please do get a point, which is very, very important. Now, this is something, it's not, this is not just something spiritual. It occurs in our everyday life. For instance, those of you who have married or those of us who have married and those of us who are also in a relationship, you remember the first time you, you met your beloved, you had a very a sense of admiration for the person. You always look forward to talking to the person, always look forward to cooking for the person. You can't just wait for the person's call. And you, are, you, are, you can talk for hours and you're enjoying it. You've forgotten that, Tali, you have to sleep. You can talk till the next day. And after some time, when you start the relationship and then now you become very familiar with each other and now the flow is tight and all that, a time comes where the way you used to feel about the person, the way you are expecting the person's call, you're expecting the person to come and eat your food and you are waiting for the comment the person will make. After some time, you realize that you lose that sense of awe. It becomes normal. If you even see the call, you can't even, ah, why is he calling me at this time? Let me just cut the line because you are busy. But at first, it was not so. Am I, am I helping you? It means that now you have become so familiar with the person so much so that 
The way you used to see the person, initial stages, the, the all you have for the person, the admiration you have for the person, the value you place on the person, after some time, you realize that you have become so casual about it. But at first, it was not casual. Have I helped someone? You remember when you got your, your, your new phone, the latest phone? Goodness, you couldn't wait. You were willing. Every two minutes, you clean your phone. You want to look at, hey, you are ex. But after you have used it so much, after some time, you become familiar with it. Now, you, you have not cleaned for the past two days or for the past one week. You can just leave it somewhere. Not, but at first, hey, because anytime you get a new thing in your life, there is a way you approach that new thing. The, the, the value you place on the thing is different. The, um, the way you handle the thing, you handle it so special. It's uncommon. You know, there's a way you treat it. But after some time, after using the thing for some time, it comes to a point where now the same thing that you used to value some time ago has lost its beauty, has lost its admiration before you. Not that the thing has changed you. It is you that you have changed by reason of familiarity. Have I helped someone? Are you sure? You remember the first time you met pastor? So, ah, which man of God is this? He blessed you so much. You were so blessed by the meeting and you couldn't wait if I can only get his number. And some way, somehow you got his number and then he, he called you first. You didn't even allow it to, to even ring twice. You just picked the call. And you were so excited in your heart after, after, after talking to him. You were, when, you, when you hung up, you were so fulfilled. And you couldn't wait to tell people about it. Oh, the man of God has called me. I just spoke with him and all But after some time of relating with the man of God, can I even see it's called, ah, oh, so for this time now, friend. You know. <laughs> How many of you have you been there before? Have you been there before? Okay, starting from me. <laughs> Am I helping someone? I get in the point. Oh, I've been there before. Sure. You know, like, you can't wait. You can't wait. Can't wait. Come on. This man of God is deep. This man of God is a blessing. I can't wait to listen to him again. And although after hearing his message over and over and over again, a time comes where even when he starts the message, you can even predict the next one. So you are no longer wowed by the message again. It's normal to you. But at first, it was not so. Remember the height from which you are falling and go back to your first love. Hallelujah. Have someone been blessed by what I just shared? Yeah, so this is to let you know that familiar and familiarity is something that happens to all of us. Not only when it comes to the things of God. It happens to us in our daily life, in every other aspect of our life. When you started driving at first, goodness. When you were done with your driving lesson. See, and you bought a car or someone gave you a car. Goodness. You know, when even when you are sleeping, you are thinking about the car. You wake up early in the morning and go inspect the car. You inspect the ties. You make sure that everything, and you are always washing the car. You go small, you come and park and wash the car and make sure that everything is fine. And go and sit up. Wow, what a car. You know, but after some time, you don't even have time to wash the car again. You don't remember the last time you checked the ties. Am I helping someone? Because now you are used to Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because now you are used to. You are used to. You remember when you got your first work? When you, you know, when you admire something, then you make application and they take you. You are so excited. Goodness, I'm going to work here. And you are so happy about the work and all those things. You are always meeting targets. Hey, they give, even your boss will not talk. You just, you are very proactive. But after some months, you wake up very early. You are, in, you are at work. You even get to the workplace and clock in before the time. But after some time, you are used to. You are so familiar with the place. When familiarity develops, now, oh, 
Well, let me wait small. You know that you know the system so well. I'll come at eight eight five or eight ten. Have you been there before? Uh -huh. So familiarity is not something that is new. It is something that happens in our life normally from day to day. But unfortunately, people have not been able to see the dangers of familiarity. People have not been able to recognize that there are certain things they are suffering because of the attitude of familiarity that their mind have not come on. So tonight, I just want to share with you some of the few effects or the dangers of familiarity. Then we'll look at some of the things that causes it. Please do you understand the point. All right. So now that you have understood familiarity so well, we want to look at some of the dangers. And please understand this. You can't be familiar with something that you don't know or something that you don't have a closeness to. Uh -huh. You can't be familiar with. Because sometimes people think that, okay, if I want to overcome familiarity, then let me stay away. That's a deception anyway. <laughs> I'll explain why. In the kingdom. In the world, it might be in the kingdom. That's a deception because access is a blessing. <laughs> access is a blessing. So because sometimes the first thing that people, people want to do with familiarity, the first thing they go, okay, let me keep my distance. But it's a deception. Because by the time you realize you, <laughs> you are far away, uh -huh. So it's not about keeping your distance. Because in this kingdom, there are many things you cannot have. And there are many things you cannot develop in without access, without closeness. It's impossible. <laughs> in this kingdom, no. If you stay far away, it will not help you. <laughs> in this kingdom. Because the kingdom is, is built on intimacy, on fellowship. You have to understand that. How can you, how can you have intimacy and fellowship from a distance? <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Alright, so let's look at the first thing. Mark chapter 6. The first danger of familiarity. Mark chapter 6. And we are going to glean a powerful point from Mark chapter 6 from verse 1 to 4. And this pertains to our Lord Jesus. That when God himself became man, because of familiarity, he couldn't do many mighty works. God, not man. God. That even God is affected by familiarity. That's a very serious thing. Now, let's look at that. Jesus left that part of the country and returned. Okay, so we can do um, New King James. But let's, let's stick with this for now. Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. So Jesus went to perform some miracles somewhere in Mark chapter 5. Um, the woman with the issue of blood, um, Jairus' daughter, and all that. So after he was done, he decided to travel to his hometown with his disciples. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Goodness. They were so much amazed. About what? They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? So they were amazed because of the level of wisdom he was dispensing by his teaching and not only his teaching, but they were also amazed by the result of the teaching in terms of the miracles that were happening. They were amazed. Goodness. They were wowed by it. So they place value. Ah, this guy, that's too much. Where did he get it? So they began to investigate. Where did he get all these things from? The wisdom to do the teaching and then the power to perform all the miracles. Where did he get it from? Okay, let's go to the next verse. Then they scoffed. Can you imagine? He is just a carpenter. The son of Mary, which is an insult. Where is Joseph? Because under normal circumstance, this is a Jewish culture. So under normal circumstance, it should be the son of Joseph. But the son of Mary, that tells you that they wanted to 
say something to Jesus. So what they are actually saying is that you were born out of wedlock. That's what they were saying. When the last time you heard anybody's name mentioned in the Bible and then the person is referred to, like the reference is the mother. So they were saying something. They were laughing at him. Is he not a carpenter? The son of Mary. Because Joseph didn't, according to them, it's not Joseph. So we are even debating. <laughs> Your identity is still under question. So why did you, because at least if it's Joseph, then we know that it's from the line of David. So maybe it's an inheritance there. That's why you can do this thing. But you came out of wedlock and you are doing something. No, 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 no. Do you understand? So they were trying to actually leverage the score. Sometimes, let me not go ahead of myself. Let's, let's go. Then he said, and the brothers of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and Simon, and his sisters lived right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. This familiarity. Do you know what they were trying to do? When they looked at the mighty works Jesus did, the teaching, the wisdom, the power, and everything, then they began to question him. Because to them, this is a carpenter. He shouldn't be in a position of doing this. At least if you're a Pharisee, we'll understand you. But your background, you're a carpenter. You have identity crisis. And yet you can work in this dimension of power. No, 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 no. So they were offended that a carpenter's son and someone who's, who has identity crisis and his brothers and sisters are all here. He's not a special person. He's just like us. How come he's able to perform all these things? So they were offended because as far as they are concerned, they know Jesus so well. They know his mother. They know his, his trade. They also know his brothers and sisters. So he cannot walk in this dimension of power. So they were offended. Look at what Jesus said to draw attention to something. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere. Except, please let's continue. Except where? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. King James would say that in his country, among his kindred, and in his household. My emphasis on the household. Now, these three places have one thing in common. His own country, own relative, and in his own house. One, two, three, they have something in common. Because these three places are always familiar with you. They know you. Your country, that's where you were born. We know you. Relative. <laughs> we know you. House, they know you. Do you understand the point? Do you understand the point? That is why there are some of you that when people get familiar, listen, Sometimes people want to equate your performance by your background. Sometimes people want to equate how far you have gotten to in life. They want to investigate and trace. So that if they trace and they realize, oh, he was born by a rich man, that's not, it's, then it's fine. Oh, he was born, you know, it's fine. But if they trace and they realize that, no, from where you are coming from and the kind of investigation we made and what is being produced out of your life, it's a contradiction. So based on that, people can just be offended, especially in Africa, in Ghana. Because they don't think you deserve it. Am I helping someone? Am I making some sense? They don't think you de de deserve it. And they're offended by that. Instead of being humble, to be able to know and receive from you what is being expressed out of your life, they'd rather be offended and die. And make sure that they bring you back to square one. To level you. After all, who are you? Are you not a competent son? That's what they were trying to tell you. So these three places have something in common. They are familiar. It's very, very important. Jesus said, a prophet is with honor everywhere except these three places. It means it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you think about yourself. There are some places 
And there are some people, when they become familiar with you, no matter what you carry, no matter what is on your life, no matter your, the credential you have, your life can never be a blessing to them. Not because you don't want to, but because their perception about you will hinder them from receiving from you. There are people whose breakthrough lies with some people they will never recognize because of familiarity. Am I helping someone? A prophet is with honor everywhere. Now, if that is the case, then it means that there's something about honor that we have to investigate. If that is the case, then honor is a very serious thing. Hebrews 5 verse, um, verse 4 says that no man taketh this honor upon himself except him that is called by God, even as Aaron. So when God calls a man, he places an honor on the man. So the honor is not because the person performed to have. The honor is associated with the calling. So if a man or a woman is called by God to pioneer a work, based on the calling, there's an honor on that man. You have to understand that. Please, am I? And then the honor has nothing to do with his background. It has nothing to do with which school he went to and which school he didn't go to. It has nothing to do with um, how much money he has. The calling confirms an honor on a person. And that honor is the honor God puts on the person by virtue of the calling. Am I helping someone? That's the first thing. However, as much as the person is honored by God, the people going to receive from the person must see that honor and learn how to relate with the person in light of that honor, or then they will not be blessed. Hallelujah. But the places that must understand that, his country, his kindred, and his house, because these are the places that will be robbed because of familiarity. Every other place will be blessed, but this place will be robbed. Have I helped someone? Let me bring it home as a local assembly. It means that God gives you a pastor, causes you to join a church by virtue of the man of God God has set on the min as far as the ministry is concerned. That man of God carries an honor. But the household, because in the church, the church is also a household. The Bible said that every man builded his house, but God is the builder of all things. He was talking about ministry, Moses. And he said that Moses was a faithful man in all his household. So the household of Moses at that time was leading the children of Israel. His congregation was the children of Israel. That was his household. Therefore, this household here, his own household, can even be the ministry God has planted his servant in. And the people in that ministry are the man of God or the woman of God's household. But when they get too familiar with him, he will be without honor, even in his own house. This is why many ministers leave their church. They go to places. The people walk in great dimension of graces on the man of God's life. When he comes to his own church, he doesn't see anything. This is the reason. Because of familiarity. Am I helping someone? Look at the next verse. So what, what happened? Verse 5. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on some few sick people and healed them. This means that Jesus attempted to do something. See, except that he laid his hands. So he attempted to do something, but it didn't work. Do you know Jesus? All-knowing, God in flesh, almighty God who manifested himself in his hometown. He could not do many mighty works except to heal some small headache. There are places he was raising the dead, cleansing leper, but here he just healed a headache. Whole Jesus. He, he didn't say he didn't. He could not. He wanted to. 
but the familiarity in the atmosphere prevented him. One of the first dangers of familiarity is that it prevents the mighty works of God from happening to your life or in your life. It prevents the mighty works of God, the great works God wants to do, whether in an area of healing, whether breakthrough, whatever mighty work is associated with the power of God will not happen in your life when you get familiar. Because even a whole God could not do many mighty works. How much more man? Why didn't Jesus override their, their, their attitude? It means that this thing is a principle. It's a protocol. It's a principle. It means it's not, most at times, it's not even dependent on the leader. Most at times, it's dependent on the people. Therefore, when you understand this as a household, one of the things we fight against is we fight against anything that tries to establish a culture of familiarity. Because it means that there are many mighty works that cannot be done in our local assembly if we don't deal with familiarity. There are many, because there are many things God would desire to do in this church, in this assembly, by your man of God, by other people coming. But if you don't take care, the church will not benefit from seeing mighty works, mighty breakthrough. Not because God doesn't desire to, but because there's a certain culture that has not been dealt with. Am I helping someone? So one of the culture we must really make sure that we deal with is anything that tries to affect this atmosphere so that people become too familiar with spiritual things. We must deal with it. Because if we don't deal with it, it will prevent the mighty works of God from happening. How many of you want to see mighty works in this church? Mighty works in your life. Listen, there are works and there are works too. Mighty works. Not small. Mighty. Mighty works. Works that will amaze you. Works that will blow your mind. You know, there are some, there are some testimonies when you hear, you know, it's, it's not, but there are other testimonies you, you can, this one can only be by God. That's what we are mean by mighty works. This one, only by God. So if we don't deal with familiarity, it will prevent, as a local assembly. So I'm taking it first as, from the global perspective in terms of, as a corporate entity, then individual in your life. There are many mighty works you will not see in your life if you don't deal with familiarity. I repeat, not because God doesn't want to do it all but because there is a certain attitude you have cultivated that prevents that from happening. So the only thing you see is minor, minor things. And it's not the best of God, just because of familiarity. Once you understand this, you do everything possible to ensure that this thing about family, if you sense a thousand miles away, you start dealing with it before it comes close to you. Because you know that if it creeps into your life, you know how it will cost you. Because there are mighty things you will not see in your life. How many of you want to see mighty things in your life, in your business? in your personal life, in your health. So any area of your life you want to see mighty things, you must deal with any spirit of familiarity that tries to creep there. You must deal with it. You must ensure that it will not take over you because immediately familiarity develops in that area. There are mighty things that will not happen there. Hallelujah. Have you gotten that? Now the second thing, the second danger. Now the second danger of familiarity is that it also brings about stagnation. Stagnation and loss of spiritual sensitivity. Stagnation and loss of spiritual sensitivity. Numbers chapter 12. Because of time, so when you go, you can just read the whole chapter. It's about the story of Miriam and Aaron. So Miriam and Aaron were actually a sister and a brother to Moses. And Moses was their younger brother. And God called Moses. 
And then at a point in the journey of the ministry, a time came where Moses decided to marry an Ethiopian woman, which was against the law. And then the elder sister and then the elder brother decided to correct him on it uh, because they are part of a family. But they should have separated family from ministry. Now, please listen to this. One of the things that happens to people is that, listen, when, when it comes to ministry, there are different sets of rules. They can correct Moses as an elder brother and elder sister when it comes to the house. But as long as they don't know their boundaries and they switch from the house to ministry, it doesn't work like that. So the Bible said that they began to comment on it. And then they spoke to Moses. And they told Moses that as far as they are concerned, what Moses have done is wrong. We know Moses here from God, but we too. We can also hear from God. So based on the fact that we can also hear from God, we have every right to be able to correct you. You are not the only person God talked to. God can also talk to us so we can correct you. The Bible says, Moses didn't say, the Bible said, God had it. And God just came down and said, Moses, Aaron, Miriam, meet me at the tabernacle. So God just descended on them and then had a meeting quickly. And at the end of the meeting, the discussion was that every other person God calls as a prophet, he speaks to them. But for Moses, he will speak to them in visions and dreams. But for Moses, he will speak to him mouth to mouth. That though I talk to all of you, this guy is in a different level altogether. I'm not, I'm not touching yet on what makes people familiar. I'm touching on the dangers. So I want to skip that part. But at the end of the day, Miriam became leprous. Do you know leprosy? It's a skin disease. And it can quarter. And it can eat. Yes, it eats off your skin. Not only that, it can also affect your nerves. And your nerve is responsible for all the transmissions in your body. That's why I spoke about sensitivity. Therefore, the reason why they did that, because they were too familiar with Moses. They saw Moses as their junior brother. Who is Moses? Number one, your junior brother. Number two, if it's about the things of God, we can also hear from God. So we have every right to correct you. Yes. What is new about this thing? So they did it on the premise that, number one, Moses is the Arginia brother, and number two, when it comes to the things of God, whatever dimension Moses is working in, they are also working in some. So they feel they have every right to correct Moses. And God came down and dealt with them. And Moses is the same person who has to plead to God. And Miriam had to, because of the leprosy, he had to stay at a place for seven days before he could join the journey. That's why I spoke about stagnation. So when you become familiar, it can make your life stagnant. Not only that, it will numb your spiritual sensitivity. There are signals you can never pick. And with a believer with that sensitivity, you are in this world, you are a dead being. <laughs> it means anything can happen to you and you will never know. So one of the, the second danger of familiarity is stagnation. It can cause your life to be stagnant or an area of your life to be stagnant for a long time. And you will not be able to pick any signal or instruction or clarity related to that area. Because God cannot communicate to you because of familiarity. Have I helped someone? Are you sure about that? The next point, quickly, because of time. The next point. Familiarity can also cause you to abort your prophetic destiny. You remember Gehazi? <laughs> familiarity can also cause you to abort your prophetic destiny. He also ended as a leper. 2 Kings chapter 5, from verse 24 to 27. Because of time, you can just go and read. So, Elisha decided not to take the, um, the goose that Naaman 
brought to him by reason of the miracle that has happened. And Gehazi had it. And Gehazi said, how can my master say he will not take it? With all this suffering, we are suffering. So Gehazi had a master plan because Gehazi was wiser than Elijah. So he decided that if you will not take it, me, I will take him. So he intentionally just went, went to Konanema and came up with a plan. That, oh, immediately we left, we had some visitors. So my master said, I should follow you so that you can give us. And then he took the things and brought it back. When he brought it to, then the man of God asked, where did you go? So seeing the truth, he lied. Said that, oh, I've not gone anywhere. Then the man of God said, did my spirit, he, got, he has forgotten that he's staying with a prophet. That's what familiarity does. He was so used to the man that he lost the sense of value for him as a prophet. So have you forgotten that my spirit went with you? He said, because of what you have done, he became a leper. This is someone who was supposed to step into, because of serving, Elisha served Elijah and entered into the office of a prophet. So Gehazi also was serving Elisha, but because of familiarity, he couldn't enter into his prophetic destiny. Familiarity can sabotage your prophetic destiny. Familiarity. It's a dangerous thing. If there's anything to fear, forget about witches. Christ have dealt with them. This one is <laughs> more dangerous than that one. This one. <laughs> this one. Have you been helped? Yes. Familiarity can abort your prophetic destiny. Listen, familiarity can close doors. It can close doors on you, close doors of opportunity. Many people can get access to people, access to opportunity, access to places, but immediately you don't deal with familiarity. Some of the access you have to opportunities will close up. Yes, because familiarity, as it said, breeds content. And when that happens, there are many people who open door for you. They will never mind you again. Yes, because of the way you've treated them. Am I helping someone? Yeah. There are people, no matter the amount of prayer you pray, if you don't deal with familiarity, there are some doors that will never open for you. Because many of the things God will do in your life, he will use people to do it. And if you don't know how to relate with people and how to treat people and you don't know how to handle people, there are some doors that will forever close in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? So many people have lost certain opportunities because they didn't deal with familiarity. Familiarity can close doors. It can close doors permanently. It can close doors. It can close seasons in your life. Yeah. When I talk about doors, doors to opportunity, it can close seasons. It can close doors to people, access. You have to deal with it. Familiarity can even ruin your marriage. Familiarity in marriage. If you don't deal with it, it can ruin your marriage. It can make your marriage a common place because of the way you are treating your spouse. You can lose your spouse by familiarity. So among the things you are developing, if you want to marry and trust in God, you have to deal with familiarity. <laughs> you have to deal with familiarity. Have someone been helped? It's very, very important. You have to deal with familiarity. You must hate it with every fiber of your being. The next point. How many points do we have? Because of time, let me just... Oh, please, do you add closed doors, closed opportunity? Do you ask, did you add that? Very, very important. Okay. Then remember the story of Abiram and then Dathan and Korah. Yeah, that's Numbers chapter 16. When you go, you can just read because of time. Numbers chapter 16. They also came up, gathered some people and decided to confront Moses and Aaron concerning their leadership. Why do you take all this upon yourself? And then they decided to start questioning the authority because they also felt that they also have a place. All of them are God's holy people. 
you are not the only one. We all of us too are there. So why should you take all the work upon yourself while we are also there to do something? And Moses decided to address the situation. And God intervened, came in, and God opened the ground and caused all of them to be drowned. It can even lead to fiscal, not spiritual death, fiscal death, familiarity. Yes. That's point number four. That'd be point number five. I'm not talking about spiritual death, too. Missing fiscal death. <laughs> because familiarity can cause you to break certain laws. Because when you break the hedge, the serpent will bite you. So familiarity can cause you to trespass certain dangerous spiritual grounds. And by virtue of that which you did, the enemy can just attack you like that. That's all. If God doesn't intervene by his mercy. So that's why I mean fiscal death. I'm not talking about spiritual death. Fiscal one. By virtue of breaking certain protocol. Especially when it comes to leadership. When it comes to leadership. Very, very important. Then familiarity can also prevent you from entering into new dimensions in God. New dimensions in God. It can prevent you from entering into new dimensions in God. I'll stop there for the dangers and then quickly we'll look at what causes familiarity, some of the causes, and then some of the signs of familiarity then will be done for today. It can prevent you from entering into new dimensions in God. That's Acts chapter 10. Now let me say that. God, one of the things about God is that sometimes God operates with a familiar. For instance, God, by virtue of the prayers of Cornelius, God decided to do something for Cornelius. He said that your prayers and your unbegiving had been heard and they are a memorial before God. Then God came to visit this apostle, Apostle Peter. But Peter was so familiar with the Levitical laws that he knows that you are not supposed to eat any animal which is unclean. Are you following the point? Then in Peter's vision, whilst he was hungry and was waiting for them preparing the food, then the Bible said that he, he had a vision and then a sheet was just spread before him and all kinds of animals. And then the voice said, rise up, kill and eat. And he said, me, I don't eat any unclean thing. Why is Peter saying he doesn't eat any unclean? Because he has been schooled in the traditions of the fathers. So he was used to a certain kind of knowledge which was not bad in itself. It was a good thing that has helped him so far. But God, the author of the knowledge, is saying that, rise up, kill this one and eat. And you know that God has to argue with him three times. The first one, Peter gave a very good, and God said, no, rise up, kill and eat. Then Peter stood by his point. So it happened three times. That should let you know that God wanted to persuade him to change his stance. Sometimes you can be so used to a traditional revelation that when God is opening you up to a new dimensions of insight, a new dimensions of revelation, because you are familiar with the old one and you have allowed familiarity to, to bind you to the old one, it will prevent you from entering into new dimensions of spiritual insight God wants to give you. Do you know that by virtue of that, because Peter refused to eat, though he preached to Cornelius and the whole household was saved, but he couldn't have a ministry to the Gentile. I believe that one of the reasons why, of course, he was called as an apostle to the Jews, but I believe that by that encounter, because he'd had a prejudiced mind that was so stick to the old pattern, even when God was showing him something new, he couldn't take it. So he couldn't open up into new dimensions of insight and new dimensions of assignment God has for him. Sometimes familiarity with what God has told you in time past can prevent you from stepping into something new he has for you. Which is very, very important. 
Have I helped someone? That is why revelation is progressive. There are people who have come to this church. All the things, the revelations you know in your former church or the former places and all those things, they are good. They have, they've helped you to a certain point. But God brings you because God wants to do new things in your life. And he wants to expose you to new insight because of some new things he wants to do. He brings you to a church and gives a man of God insight to now begin to show you greater light. But because of the light you are used to, you like the dim lights whilst there are greater light. But you don't know that the, the lesser light rules the night, but greater light rules the day. So while God wants to expose you to greater light, you are too used to the lesser light and you decide to stay there. Meanwhile, that is a calling that God is calling you to because he's about to open you into certain new dimensions in your life. So there are many people who are stuck in a church with greater light, but they are used to the old light. So by the traditions of men, you have made the word of God of none effect. Have I helped someone? Yeah. The church I'm coming from, this is not what we believe about Titan. As for us, look at your life. How far you have come with that revelation. We don't, we don't pray too much like that. We don't have to be fasting like that. Look at your life. What you have believed for 10 years, what has it produced in your life? And you not evaluate your life. That God is calling you into rise up, kill and eat. Because I'm taking you into new dimensions that you are not used to. You are too familiar with the old that you cannot receive the new. That's what familiarity can do. Have I helped someone? All right. Now let's look at some of the things that makes people familiar. So number one, number one is that when people become familiar, one of the things that causes them to become familiar is sometimes they feel that they know too much. They know too much. They know too much. They know too much. Either they know too much about the pastor. They know too much about the word. They know too much. They know too much. <laughs> and that actually results in pride. People who are proud easily work in familiarity because they feel they know better. So when a man of God is sharing something deep, you can know a particular scripture that I've not yet found expression. Listen, there's a difference between head knowledge and heart experience. The longest distance that is come from the mind to the heart. There are revelations you can have here that have never expressed itself in your life practically. It means you don't know it yet. So sometimes what you feel you know that is being touched on if God is asking a man of God to emphasize on it again, it's not because of your mind. It's because of your heart. Because it is by repetition that you establish in the present truth. And it is by repetition that your life is saved. Which is very, very important. But sometimes people, oh, we matter that. Oh, is it not faith we preach? I've heard it before. Is it not? No, no, no. That is familiarity. You are getting too familiar with the word of God that you cannot see it as a rema word coming to you in the spur of the moment. Am I helping someone? Yeah, so having too much, because knowledge perfect up, too much knowledge, which makes you proud, can bring about familiarity, which is very, very important. You must take notice of that. The second thing, the second thing that causes people to become familiar, the second thing, especially in ministry, when people also feel they are also anointed, <laughs> they can also hear God. They are also anointed. They can do miracles. They can preach. They can teach. By virtue of seeing the giftings that are being activated in their life, sometimes it makes them feel they can do what a man of God can do. Therefore, they are no longer willing to even take instruction or heed correction. So the next thing that causes that is when people feel they are also anointed, they are very gifted, 
they are more powerful. It causes them to also get familiar with especially this thing normally occurs, especially with leadership. Yeah, with leadership. So let me give you an example. Like um, Aaron and Miriam, they felt that they can also hear God. Moses can hear God. I can also hear God. So because I can also hear God, I have audacity to correct you because you are not the only one who, hear, who hears. Only for God to manifest himself and show them that as much as you can hear and he can hear, but you are on different levels. So the fact that you can do the same thing a man of God can do doesn't mean you're on the same level. Because what determines your level is not performance. What determines your level is ordination. <laughs> what determines your level is not performance. What determines your level is your ordination, where God has placed you in his body. One You can even feel you perform better than, than your leader. But don't be deceived. There's a difference between performance and authority. They are not the same. <laughs> Am I helping you? Are, are you getting the point? The fact that Jesus said you do greater works and you did greater works that Jesus didn't do, does it mean that you, you, you and Jesus you are at the same level? Do you understand the point? The fact that Elijah did double of what Elijah couldn't do on the Mount of Transfiguration, Elijah was not invited. Joshua took the people to the promised land. On the Mount of Transfiguration, it is Elijah and Moses because it is about ordination and authority. It's not about performance. Am I helping someone? And especially this for the young people who are coming up in ministry now. Because when people start seeing something small, <laughs> arrival, third point, arrival mentality. Arrival. Arrival mentality. You have arrived. Now you are getting some billion dollars. Now you have some new cars. Now you have a mansion. Arrival mentality. When people feel that, oh, now where I've gotten to in life, things are working for me and all those things. The same thing they used to do before they got there, they stopped doing it because they feel they have arrived. They used to pray. They used to fast. They used to serve. But immediately doors begin to open. By virtue of those things, they put those things on hold and now cleave to the things that those things have produced. But you don't know that whatever you did to get to the top, you have to continue to do it to sustain it. If it's prayer that took you to the top, you must continue praying to sustain it. If it's giving that took you to the top, you must continue it. Because the day you stop those things, it's just a matter of time. You can run for some time. Do you know that if you if you're full or if you if you if you are driving and at a point you just stop the engine, the car will move for some time. But after some time, it will stop. They say because what drives the car is the engine. Once you put off the ignition, it's just a matter of time. So there are many people, the ignition is off because the things that they are doing that propels them there, it's just a matter of time. They stop those things. So it's just a matter Some of you, it's just one year. It's two years, three years. In four, some of you, by five years time, you realize that the same thing that you are giving excuse for that, oh, now I'm busy because of this and that, and it's just a matter of time. So arrival mentality is one of the biggest things about familiarity. Arrival mentality. Arrival mentality. Have I helped someone? Have you been blessed? Which is very, very important. Because of time, please let's look at um, quickly signs. Some of the signs. Some of the signs. Some of the signs. You know, sometimes you can be sick and you don't know you are sick. You don't even know what is causing it. But there are symptoms that when you are able to identify, okay, I have headache, I have this, I have this, then you can tell, oh, okay, this is what is happening to me. Do you understand? So sometimes you might not be able to trace what exactly it is until you know the signs. Once you know the sign, you can be able to describe. Do you understand? So that's why the signs are very important. So I want to show you the signs. Now, number one sign. But before we go into the signs, still as part of it, um, when it comes to the kingdom, 
never get their few things that you can get familiar with. Number one is God. You can get familiar with God. God. And then number two are the things of God. You can be familiar with prayer because you are used to prayer. What bumpire you are used to? To the point that now you are too casual with prayer. You don't like, you are too casual. There's no sense of reverence when you are praying again because you are used to prayer. Do you understand? So your prayer is not producing the desired result because now you handle prayer at a casual level. There's no reverence for the act of prayer. Do you understand? You can be used to fasting. Why? Yeah, it's, it's, it's part of your life. As, don't get me wrong. Of course, there is a need for you to, whatever you, you do repeatedly for a long time, you can become familiar with that. And it can develop a sense of familiarity. That's the side effect. But you must maintain a certain disposition towards those things because they are sacred. And sacred things are treated not as common things. Because sacred things must be treated as uncommon. Because what familiarity does, it makes you treat holy things as common things. You are not able to see the value. So you can be familiar with prayer. Familiarity can develop in the sense of prayer where now prayer is, you are used to praying. You know, so it's not a big deal for you again. So when you come into prayer, there's no sense of awe. There's no like, you know, like, but as much as you, you have developed a prayer life, you must maintain a sense of sacredness for the act of prayer. That's what I mean. In your heart, you must mean, of course, I'm not saying that, of course, you can be working about driving and praying, but there is a consciousness you have about what you are doing. You are not doing it carelessly. You are conscious about what you are doing. That's how to get results. Fasting, reading of the word, studying, you can be used to the Bible. You can be used to the teachings of the word. That now when you hear revelation, you don't write again. That's familiarity. Not writing is familiarity. At first, so try, hey, oh, this thing has blessed me. But now you have come, arrival <laughs> mentality. <laughs> arrival mentality. Yeah, not writing. Facebook <laughs> That's that. Listen, the reason is because if you regard the word and you know the importance of the word in your life, when you come to church, every other thing does not matter. The word is very, very important. You give it up attention. You even you respond to the word. We can tell you are familiar because it, 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 it doesn't move you again. After church, you can, oh, man of God, you bless me. It was a powerful message. If you don't do that, that's familiarity. You are too used to the word. You are too used to preaching. You are too used to preaching. It's a word name called Kwaokra. They are normal. How was the message? Um, it's, it's, it's fine. <laughs> Let me show you something about that. <laughs> How many of you have been blessed? <laughs> okay, so first, first Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, quickly, because of time. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Thank you, Holy Spirit. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcome it not as the word of a man, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. So you see, this is the, the approach of the church of Thessalonica. When they receive the word, they don't treat it as a word of man. It's not like, oh, yeah, what did the pastor say? It's pastor. No. Though it is pastor talking, they receive it as the word of God. There is a way to receive the word. You can be so used to hearing messages that nothing moves you again. You don't have all for the message again. You don't have all for revelation. You will not write. It's in your head. It's in your head. It doesn't produce results. 
please help you are getting the point, which is very, very important. So you can be familiar with the word of God. You can be familiar with, with prayer, with fasting. You can even be familiar with attending church and fellowshipping. Yes. Do you remember when you got born again? Oh, goodness. Can't wait to talk to the Holy Spirit. You are always conscious about his presence around you. You are always conscious about coming to church, coming to pray, coming to serve and all those things. But after some time, it is a So now serving in church is a problem for you. That's being familiar. The things you used to do happily for God, if you become familiar, you realize that you stop doing those things. That's how you know that you are becoming familiar. The things you used to do excitedly, you are, you are in a hurry to come and serve, you are in a hurry to do, but after some time, you realize that it doesn't move you again. It means that you have started departing. Kakran, 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 kakran. Am I helping someone? Yeah, which is very, very important. That's why Jesus said, remember your first love and go back. I know your work, but there's something you have left and go back to it. There are some people, they used to be so excited about doing their quiet time every morning. No Bible, no breakfast. They say, what class? They say, one week, one kind of class. I read it, I read it, I read it in the evening, I read it in the evening. <laughs> I read it in the evening. Now the word has lost its place because you don't give it priority. Your breakfast has priority, but the word doesn't have priority. Do you understand my point? Uh-huh. So like, it's the little foxes. So familiarity is something, but it has great impact on your life. And unfortunately, what people are attacking as the cause of their stagnation or their delay or their breakthrough, it does not it. It is this one. They are t- attacking other things. And the enemy will make you, the enemy will turn your attention off familiarity. And you start attacking every, if you have attacked every other thing and you are still not seeing progress, please check familiarity. Maybe that's the cause. See, I don't know whether you're getting it, which is very, very important. So take notice of that. And then also, apart from church, attendance to church, your commitment in church and serving and all that, one of the areas too that familiarity can be seen is how you relate to your leaders, to your pastor, and how you relate to each other. It's also very important, especially how you relate to leadership. There are people who can relate with leadership well in terms of head pastor, but anybody who is placed in a delegated authority to do something, the way you relate to the person is way different. That's wrong. Because anyhow you treat the head, anyone who comes in the name of the head genuinely or legitimately, you treat the person the same. That's delegated authority. If you don't do that, you are, you are familiar. You are familiar with the man of God or you are familiar with the woman of God. Please do you get it. Do you understand? So the signs of familiarity now is a sense of entitlement. Sense of entitlement. The things that you used to want to ask permission before you do another, now you've come to a place where you no longer, have, you don't see the need to ask permission. You feel you're entitled to something. You feel you're enti- it's your right. You have to, it doesn't work like that. Sense of entitlement. Sense of entitlement. That's a sign. And then your attitude towards correction. Attitude towards correction. Like when they correct you, you easily get annoyed. Of course, nobody likes correction. And correction is not a... <laughs> nobody enjoys being corrected. But the only thing is that when you are corrected, no matter how it's painful, when you are not familiar, you quickly accept it in good faith and quickly change. But if you become offended by correction... It's just a matter of time. It means that you are getting familiar. Yeah, you are getting familiar. Yeah, you are getting familiar. That's why. Because you don't see the point. Even if you feel the person didn't correct you well, there's a way to go about it. Um, you, you see, the point is, when you have a sense of value and a sense of honor for the person correcting you, you might even be, you might not like the approach. 
But when you look at who is correcting you, it has a way of helping you to relate. But anytime you lose consciousness of the who and the value and you begin to dwell on how you were corrected, you are familiar, that's why. <laughs> you are familiar, that's why. The how might be some way, you might not like it, but when you know who is correcting you, it has a way of helping you to know how to relate and how to accept it. I don't know whether you're getting it. Uh, but there are people, because they lose consciousness of who is correcting you, that's when they want to talk back. You don't do that. You don't, you don't do that. When you talk back to authority in correction, there's a better way of doing that. When you talk back to authority in correction, it's because you're familiar. You feel you're at the same level. You feel he doesn't have the right to tell you what he's telling you. It means you lack spiritual understanding. And then also, the way you treat instructions. When you're familiar, you, do you, you treat instruction according to your own timing. You are told to do something, but you wait for your own convenient timing when it suits you before you do it. That's familiarity. But if you want to prove that you are not familiar, that even if you feel it's not possible for you at that time, there's a way to go about it. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a way to go up. Now, the reason why I'm saying these things is because these are little, little things, but when you relate with people and you have a sense of awe for them and you have high value and high respect for them, when they instruct you, you, you make way. But when you get familiar, now the instruction doesn't carry the weight like it used to carry. But some time ago, ah, you have been waiting for the instruction and you are in a hurry. Oh, so pastor, please, when? When do you want me to do it? I'll do it, you know. But after some time, when you are familiar, when <laughs> once you are giving the instruction, I remember that some time ago, my father and the Lord, Dr. George said, like, I had to go and buy something for him. So after buying the thing, then I called him that, oh, please, I've been able to purchase the thing and all that. Then I said, please, I'll come home. I'll bring it home. I gave him the time I'll bring it. I'll bring it, I'll bring it home on Wednesday. Then my wife was sitting by me and said, so, so when I finished that, then you, you know that the devil say, oh, okay, 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 that's good. All right, thank you, man of God. I'm grateful. Then my wife said, ah, what did you tell the man of God? You, you, you are now giving time when you bring it. Then quickly I called him. I said, please, I'm sorry. Um, I didn't mean I will bring it home. So I'm sorry. Please, when do you want me to bring it? Even if it's today. <laughs> now, of course, on the surface, if you are not spiritual, you might think that, oh, I have, of course, I also have schedules and all those things. So I had to check and I realized that Wednesday is more convenient. But he is a higher authority than me. And he is a father in the Lord. So the right thing to do, if I'm not familiar, because if I'm not familiar, I will not, I will not say I'll bring it. I'll find out, please, when do you want me to bring it? Because that's a sense of awe. But because I'm getting familiar in that regard, unconsciously, in my mind, it was not familiarity. Familiarity is a very subtle thing. So when my wife drew my attention, I said, hey, it's true. So I called him because there is no way I would tell him I will, when I will bring it. But immediately I did that. That is familiarity trying to creep in. So quickly, I just called him and said, please, I'm sorry. Please, when do you want me to bring it? Even if it's tomorrow. So the next day, I just took it to him. Then he said, your wife, your, your wife is a spiritual woman. Can you imagine? <laughs> it's a spiritual woman. That's what he said. Man of God, your wife is a spiritual woman. So my question is, ah, so when I said that, why did you tell me that? Oh, man of God, no, you don't say, I, no, I need it. But he will not say, you must know what he's saying. He's not saying, but he's saying, can you imagine? How many of you have been blessed? And there is a mentality you must cultivate. Never think you have outgrown becoming familiar. Never. The day you think like that, you'll be familiar. Because 
it's at different stages and different levels and different fears. Sometimes you are not familiar here, but you can be familiar here. Sometimes you are not familiar with prayer, but you are familiar with fasting. You are not familiar, you know. So it's it's crept up in various places. That's why I'm saying that. So your attitude towards correction, your attitude towards instruction, which is very, very important. Hallelujah. How many of you have been blessed? The last two, then we'll just go into prayer. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Shadaba Kavarati Shonde Brega Dizo Balala Bashaya. Zegebo Ronto Sonda Bratige Sonde Brega Diga Varatagasai. Mondolobo Sabrandas. The one of the things that also is a sign of familiarity also has to do with lack of gratitude. You remember the ten lepers? Ten of them were healed. It's only one person who came to say, thank you. Do you know what happened? Now the Bible says that that person is a stranger. The other nine, they were people who were used to their customs and their tradition. Think about that. So the reason why the guy came to show gratitude was because he was not familiar with Jesus. All the other nine people are used to the law. They knew everything. So they were so familiar that even after getting a miracle, it's a sense of entitlement. So they didn't come back to say thank you. Save the stranger. So one of the things that causes you to know you are getting familiar is when things are done for you and you lack the sense of gratitude because you feel you deserve it. If you are entitled to it, no, it doesn't work like that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if you want to develop the attitude of not being familiar, you must learn to show gratitude. Thank you should be something that is common in your lips. Thank you. That's where it starts from. Thank you. Eh, but I did no, it doesn't work like that. Thank you. But the person can choose not to do it. Do you understand my point? So you learn to say thank you. You learn to say thank you, which is very, very important. And then the next one, also disrespect and being rude is a sign of becoming familiar. Why you disrespect or you are rude? towards a person or a thing, someone that you are supposed to, you know, there are ways you can behave towards certain people. No matter how you are annoyed, because of who they are, there's a way to comport yourself. But you see, in familiarity, you begin to treat the person as a common person. And you begin to become casual around the person. That's how you know you are getting familiar. When like, you lose sense of formality and you are too informal. Do you understand? You know, there are people that you are very close friends with and all that because of the way you are flowing with them and because of the way you are very familiar with them and their openness, you, there are things you can see. But when it comes to spirituality, as much as you have to be open, you must be conscious about where you are and who you are dealing with. But when you come into spirituality with a sense of openness with that not being guarded in wisdom on how you deal with things you are likely to transfer that there when it happened that way you are getting familiar familiarity of certain because now you are treating the thing as common and you are too casual and too informal please uh, do you understand yeah because there are things you can say to someone but there are people you can't say the same thing to now the reason why you can't say the same thing to them is because of how you see them so immediately you are able to say the same thing to a person that you are supposed to hold in high esteem. It means that it's because familiarity has set in. Yes. Like what I did. That's familiarity. No. If it's another person, oh, please, I'll bring it. But as a father, I can't know. That's wrong. <laughs> so when you become so casual around people that you must, of course, you must be open. There is a limit. Do you understand? I'm not saying... Of course, Jesus learned how to flow with his disciples in an open way, but there is a way that they esteem him. 
Do you know Peter got familiar? This same Peter who said that, where again shall we go? Seeing that you have the words of life. He said, Master, I'm not worthy to come to you. Jesus, come, come to me. This same Peter called Jesus and said, he rebuked Jesus from going to die. Peter, because of familiarity, he was too familiar with Jesus. That when Jesus said something, he called him aside and rebuked him. How can he do that? Peter, oh. If you rebuke John, we understand. But this Jesus, you are saying that, Master, to whom again shall we go? Seeing that you have the words of life. So Peter knew who Jesus was. But because of familiarity, he could rebuke Jesus. Do you understand? When you start rebuking your leader, it's familiarity. You start correcting your leader. You don't, there's a way to go about it. There's a way. <laughs> Do you understand? You don't agree. Yes, we know. But there is a way to approach it. There's a way in terms of how, tone, when, where. <laughs> it's very, very important. I'm tempted to go into marriage, but let me leave that because of my time. <laughs> Familiarity in marriage. Husband, wife. It's okay. Let me escape that <laughs> because of my time. Then the last part. There are also people who are so much opinionated and fault-finding. When you always see something wrong, like you are cautious about always finding faults, it's also because you are getting familiar. And then everything, you have an opinion. Everything, you have an opinion. Everything, you have an opinion. And always your opinion should be the right thing. It doesn't work like that. These are some of the signs of familiarity. Hallelujah. So the last part is two things on how to deal with familiarity. The first one is consistent or frequent examination. You always have to examine yourself in different areas. Because sometimes you cannot tell when it started creeping in. So examination, you have to examine all the things that are major things in your life, in leadership, in your personal life, in your spiritual life. You have to examine yourself consistently how you relate to people, how you relate to, with your pastor, how you relate to the leaders, how you relate with instruction, how you relate to corrections and all those things. So examination will help you to identify, which is very, very important. The Bible says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. So you also have, if you don't examine yourself, by the time you realize you are far away into familiarity. Second thing is accountability. Create a system around you where people can help you to know because sometimes you might not see it. So accountability, be accountable. First, be accountable to authority. Then second, be accountable to each other. Like what my wife did. Hey, what did you just say? You know, that's accountability. I said, no, 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 no. I said, hey. I had to quickly, in front of her, I had to quickly, that's leadership. Call to correct. So that one day, me too, I can tell her that. <laughs> anyway, that's just by the way. <laughs> but I intentionally did that in her presence to see that her voice matters in my life. Uh, so in the course of time, if one day I also correct her, she understands that it's leadership by example. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> and, uh, I'm the boss. No, no, no. How can you talk to me? I'm the man. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> my father said, your wife is spiritual. <laughs> if your wife is, uh, how can you say my wife is what about me? <laughs> it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. <laughs> you accept it in good faith. Yeah. It's, we move on. We move. Uh, <laughs> So it's very, very important. Hallelujah. <laughs> so accountability. Accountability is very, very important. Accountability. Then the next thing, which is very important or most important is you must be spiritual. You cannot deal with familiarity without becoming spiritual. You must build spirituality. 
Now, the reason why you must be spiritual is because the Holy Ghost is the one who will help you to identify. You know, sometimes things can be creeping in your heart that you will never know until the Holy Ghost draws your attention to it. Anything the Holy Ghost, you don't allow the Holy Ghost to draw your attention to it. In the course of time, situations and life will happen to you that will bring to bear what has been cooking your heart for a long time. Am I making sense? So you learn to be, in developing your spiritual life, you learn to be open to the Lord. Let Him examine you, which is very, very important. One of the prayers we all must pray when we are dealing with leaders is that, Lord, 2024, have my relationship with my pastor been like? Have my relationship with so-so-and-so leader been like? Lord, am I like on the aspect of familiarity on a scale of zero to ten? Like, learn to evaluate yourself before, and it will shock you. Some of the things God will draw your attention to, which in your mind you are like your mind is not there at all. Then the Lord will let you know. It's very, very important. So you learn to pray, especially relating with spiritual authority. You pray into it, pray about it. Don't leave it to chance, oh, because the devil knows what familiarity can do against your life. So one of the things that's why we have familiar spirit. But that's another thing altogether. Familiar spirit also are spirit that are family. They know you so well. So when you develop the attitude of familiarity, they take advantage, advantage of that. And they program you in a certain way. Yeah. To strengthen that familiarity in you. I'm telling you. So it's very, very important. If you don't become spiritual, the devil has a lot of inroads into your life. But when you are spiritual, you might act, you might behave in a certain way. And because of your spirituality, the Holy Ghost will just prompt you. That, no, it's wrong. You don't say that. You don't talk like that. So it's very, very important. One day, um, I was in a certain ministry and my leader, um, there was something he was sharing that I was not in personal agreement to because it was, it was not consistent with scripture. But I decided to keep quiet on it. And then he asked my opinion. So when he asked my opinion, I began to let him know. I began to lecture him. Not, that's not my intention. But oh, please, the reason why I don't agree with this is because of A, B, C in scripture. Then he pose a question. Then I will answer and all that. Realize, but they're in the midst of people. So he became back and forth, back and forth. Then I realized that I was wrong. So immediately after the meeting, I called him and I apologized to him that, please, I'm very sorry. I realized what happened. I shouldn't have done that because he is the leader of the group. And if I feel that I don't agree with something there, that is not the proper environment to address it. And even when he called me that, what do I think? There's a way I was supposed to approach it. So immediately I went to apologize to him and beg him and all that. And this is that because... Under normal circumstance, there is no way when I met him, the way he has blessed me, you know, there is no way that even if I don't agree with him on something, I can say it there. But the reason why I can say it there is because I'm familiar with him. So quickly, I had to correct it after. I had to call him and all those things. Uh -huh. I don't know whether you're getting it. Uh -huh. So these are some of the things that we must watch out for. Very, very important. Spirituality is too crucial. Your work with the Holy Spirit. So the first one is examination. You must learn to frequently examine yourself. The second one is accountability. You must be very accountable, accountable to each other, accountable to someone, accountable to authority. And sometimes frequently you come open up. Oh, please, how's my relationship be with you been like? And all those things. Because sometimes you might not know, but authority can point certain things out to you uh, and make it easy for authority to be able to correct you. Yeah, make it easy. It will, it's a blessing to you. It will bless you. Other than that, anything an authority doesn't correct, life will, life will teach you the hard way. Then authorities are, huh, this is what I wanted to tell you three years ago, but you didn't listen to me. Make it easy. And sometimes bring yourself, be open. It's very, very important. The word of God is for doctrine, for correction. It's very, very important. You cannot be raised effectively without correction. It's both doctrine, correction, reproof, and training in righteousness. So the four must go together so that you can become perfectly equipped and fully furnished onto every good work. Please, I don't know whether you're getting it. 
It's very, very important. And then your spirituality. Your spirituality. Listen, John was very close to Jesus, but was never familiar with Jesus. So the answer to familiarity is not distant. That's carnality. The answer to familiarity is being spiritual. Know who you are with. Recognize the work of the person in your life. And always relate with the person, not as just a human being, but relate to the person from the calling perspective. Very, very important. They related with Jesus as a carpenter. His brothers are there. They forgot his divine side. John, John is the person who wrote extensively about Jesus being the son of God. That tells you the insight John and the, percep- the perception John had about Christ. That's why he was never familiar. He was never familiar. He was never familiar. Peter wrote, Matthew wrote, and all. But John was the only person who was able to bring to us the divinity of Jesus Christ because that's what he saw. That's the perception he had. He was very close and yet was not familiar even to the end. So when it comes to closeness and dealing with familiarity, John is a pattern. John is a pattern. So it is possible to be close to authority, to be close to something that God has put in your life to make you, whether a place, whether a thing, whether an authority, and yet not be familiar. It depends on your perception and your consciousness of your spirituality. Never lose all. Never lose your admiration. Never lose the honor and the value you place on a person. You place on a thing. You place on a place God has ordained to make you. Because immediately you lose those things. Familiarity setting. All the dangers of familiarity will catch up with your life.